So, Dad. Yeah. Um, what would you if? Okay, so in your in your what thirty one odd years of being a father, um, we'll, we'll focus on Nate and I since we're here today. Okay. All right. Um, what are two of the dumbest messes you've had to clean up from us? Whether uh, like physical messes, emotional messes, whatever, that you had to like step in and be like, guys, what what <laughs> what, what, what what were you thinking here? Um, there's a lot to choose from right there. Yeah, I know. There's a lot to choose from. I Especially from the last 20 years. Yes, but, it, I mean, one thing comes to mind, because there's still a stain in the carpet. Um, you know, when Nathaniel was young, it was hilarious. <laughs> well, he'd not be feeling say? well, and he'd have to get sick to his stomach. We'd put little bowls next to his bed, or yeah. two or three. He wouldn't get out of bed. He would just, where he's laying, throw up. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> And it'd go all down the side of the bed. No. Never into the bowl. That's not a normal thing for a kid to do? It never into the bowl. <laughs> Just on the carpet. And as a matter of fact, one, we didn't even know in the morning. He didn't say, Mommy or Daddy. Later, you know, in the middle of the night like he would normally. He just slept there. And in his barf? No, I didn't. No, it wasn't in his barf. He puked over the side of his bed. Laid back down. Went to was sleep. this when he was in the toddler bed? Or no. Or when this he was, was in... in um, or bunk beds? Bunk beds, yes. I'm so glad I was on the top. Like that. Can you imagine, like, just puke, like dripping down the yeah. side? Of I could show it to you after I, we're done. I could I'm imagine sure. this actually happened. I don't think this actually happened. I do. Also, remember. you you guys gave bowls to any of us when we were sick. That's true. Right? Was that just, that wasn't just me? No, no, we gave bowls. We to just them. guess what? Them. Yeah, it helped with other people. <laughs> I do remember one time you had been sick, and mom had made those chocolate cherry bars, and like you hadn't eaten dinner, but somehow I think it was probably Sarah, like gave you like a bunch of chocolate oh, cherry bars. That's like the only thing you ate. You were real sick to your stomach and you were changing. Uh, like we're in our room and you're like getting ready and you're like, mommy, I don't feel good. And like you lean over and she just, cause we carpeted floor, right? She just shoves you into the hallway and you just like carpet bomb the whole hallway. Right well, yeah. There. Cause it's hardwood floor. So yeah. it's easy to clean up. And I'm so now I'm stuck in the room. Cause I'm like, there's I can't two, get there's out. two windows. Kick it out. It's like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. Okay. So, Okay. They would. You, is there a bad yeah. one for me you could think of? Uh, well, I mean, a bad one. Um, it's not really bad, but um, something that's memorable, and I, I think of it a lot, especially when we play basketball. Um, you were in trouble for some reason, so I sent you into the into your into the house, and your mom was like, I told your mom, he's you know he's going to his room because I don't know what you did. I don't even remember what you did because the rest of this was so great. So I'm out front playing basketball with Thomas in the driveway, and you threw your, because you were mad at me, you threw your bedroom window open, and you're hanging out the window. <laughs> the bedroom window is overlooking the driveway, so right where you, over where you. you guys are playing basketball. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Good good visual for people. Hanging right over the driveway. He's looking at us, and everything Tom does, he's you're praising him. Oh, great shot, Tom, great shot. And anything I do, oh, what a lousy shot. You can't even do anything. You can't even dribble, Dad. Whatever you're saying, it was just, I was laughing so much, I couldn't be mad at you. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty bold of me, while in trouble, to be I know, I egging know. the situation. Yeah, just revenge. So, yeah. I can think of one mess that I caused, and yes. I was not a child, Uh-oh. is when uh, we spilled deep frying oil oh, my in the back of the van. That was disgusting. It was, party. Fi- it was fish oil, I thought. Yeah, fish oil. Yeah, so you want to know something about that. So I work in an underground mine, about 200 feet underground, uh, for for a federal agency, and uh, I used to drive in 
And uh, I decided I didn't want to anymore to park. I drive in underground and park my car, but I, I, I walk in now because it's better for me. So I used to drive in. We have to go through a security gate. And this one guy, I knew he would always like make a frown when I'd pull up to the thing. Like, what's this dude's problem? The security guy, every time I pull up, he's like angry. I've never done anything. So he tells me, so I open the door. He says, I'm not even checking back there. I said, why? What? What's the deal? He goes, it smells like wet dog in your van. Oh. I said, oh, no, that's not wet dog. That's uh, fish oil. <laughs> even like, worse. That's yeah, a whole lot goes, better. Oh, that's disgusting. I said, yeah. A whole container fell over in the back of the van and uh, tried cleaning out, but... Uh, yeah, and then I m- ruined there forever. mom's carpet cleaners when I tried to fix it. Yeah, Indeed, that was, that was that a double, double bonus points. I mean, that was because I think we'd borrowed the yeah. oil because we were frying mm-hmm. fish. We bought, we'd borrowed the oil and the deep fryer. Yep. Oh, yeah, both. So they were they're both back there. Um, and then we were driving to Mass, and I think right as we pulled into the parking lot at church, I just we just hear it like, tip over and start spilling. Yeah. And we're like, ah, oh, we're going to worry about that later. Because we were running late. Because we were running late, yes. Yeah, so we just went. <clears throat> and we came back church. and it, it thoroughly soaked itself into the carpet. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was, so, that was but hey, it was so, okay. We yeah. actually Gnarly yeah, times. got in less trouble for that than I guess I would have expected. Sure. Um, it smelled great. In the car for the next three years that we had. It smelled horrible. Actually, it smelled pretty it just sweet felt... for the first couple of weeks, but then as the heat of the summer went on, yeah. it was so nasty. It was unreal. And it was just always greasy in the back after yeah, that. Like, even was, the yeah. seats, I don't know. Like, I don't even think the seats have been touched by the oil, but, like, it just felt, it greasy. Just felt greasy every time <clears> you sit it. Yeah, we ruined the car. Um, hey, it was for a party, though, so. Yeah, that was a lit party when mom and dad were gone. Yeah, in Europe. The yep. things that we do when dad wasn't around, right? <laughs> Um, so true. Being bold. And the th- unfortunately, the things people do uh, because they don't have a dad around, I think, mm. is like a huge problem. Um, There's Francisco with that segue. Yeah, I know. See, when we call it a segue, then then we lose it. You know, if you like, right? Like if you, the thing's a thing until you name it and then it disappears. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, I, I sent you the article, Dad, but um, I recently read an article called The Fury of the Fatherless. Uh, it's basically about why there's been like such a rise in like rioting in the U.S. and just like angst and like violent with, crime. Yeah, um, particularly among young men, but just like young people in general. Um, and it was saying that it just there's a direct correlation between you know prison, uh, drug use, um, and violent crimes uh, for those who live in a home where either the father is completely absent or mostly absent. Um, and actually just yesterday I was listening to, um, like a news report about how this summer is the lowest like record, whatever for young men in high school and college to have take on summer jobs. And it's not, and they're saying it's, it's not actually, I mean, the economy is not great for sure. So there's harder to get jobs, but it's absolutely it's not that. It's actually when they're asked, it's they just don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that the opportunity's not there; it's they just don't want to. Right. And I think that also probably correlates to not having a father around because if you don't see a dad who's going out and being active and doing job and like who you get an idea of like being the carer or provider for the family or like discipline in some kind of job, then like why bother if you can live your life playing video games in your house or. Or someone else will take care of you, or whatever. Um, like laziness or aggression, unfortunately, are like mm-hmm. the two. Right. Like, yep. 
I think you saw a lot of laziness, especially like what you're talking about in workplace environments in like the second half of the pandemic. Because after, you know, shops started opening back up again, there were all these help wanted signs everywhere. And I I remember hearing about like some places like even McDonald's, like where they're not going to be paying you that much. It's not like it's a high ranking position, but just to uh, kind of encourage people to come in for interviews and at least apply to work there. They were offering like just fifty dollars up front just to come in for an interview. That's like that's, that's how unwilling people were to to start working. Yeah, and hundreds or thou- or even thousands of dollars, uh, as long as you stay there for ninety days. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's just so many so many ways. I'll tell you what. My father was raised. Your your grandfather Larry, um, Grandpa Larry. My dad was raised without a dad. Mm-hmm. He was two and. My dad was two and a half years old when his father died, and um, so I, I, I think it was a remarkable father, um, in, you know, including this, not having been raised, not again being being given a model um, as a father. Uh, he was an amazing dad, um, but one thing he because this was this was so great. Um, my, I have a family of of uh, you just mentioned workers. All of my family members are hard workers, mm-hmm. and um, and all the jobs that they've had, every one of them is a hard worker. And because my dad taught us loyalty, he said if you you want to be loyal to your family, loyal to your country, loyal to God. He didn't mention that until he was much older after his conversion. He realized that's where everything really emanates from, and loyal to your employer, because. Um, uh, and so you would not want to be lazy at work. You would not need $500 or $1,000 to come and get a job. Mm-hmm. You would apply for a job because it's good. It's good for you. It's yeah, good yeah, for the yeah. country. And um, and you show loyalty to your family that way. You show loyalty to your country that way. And um, so I had a great I had a great model for a father. I mean, he had his issues, but we all do. Uh, but those types of things, this stuff that you were just referring to, was never a thing in my family. I didn't grow up even, I wouldn't even understand that. Yeah, right. And well, you touched like perfectly on like the three points of like fatherlessness, I think in, well, in the West, especially in America, um, I think especially in America, uh, the second one's the case, but loss of God as father, loss of the fatherland, like Mm -hmm. an allegiance or a loyalty, a patriotism at all to our country, and then loss of the biological you know, human father. Um, so, because I, you know, if especially for a, a man, who he places an identity in, or where he places mm-hmm. identity, like there has to be some some person that he like learns how to receive that from. And if he doesn't have a, a human dad around, maybe that can be from God the Father. He learns because ultimately that's where identity comes from is God the Father. But if he rese- rejected God the Father. Well, then maybe his last hope might be in the fatherland, like who he is as an American citizen, where he can contribute to the community, where he can contribute to his country, like as, you know, in the military or a policeman or whatever. But all of that is under attack, too. Like, it's almost like unpopular to want to be a patriot. Mm -hmm. Um, So without any of those, there is no identity. Um, And we talked talked about last episode and about the pride movement. Like, it's just about creating your own identity Mm -hmm. because, you know... And I think that's, again, here we are. It's an identity crisis because of a fatherlessness. Right. Um, Dad, how do you find, mm. like, like in your relationship with other, with, like, maybe friends growing up or, mm. like, people you have now, like, how do you see, like, stability or instability 
uh, based on like what their relationships was with their father or their relationships with God the Father. Like, I'm sure you have lots of different friends now or friends growing up who had very different family situations or places in religion or how, I mean, you were in the military too, so you have that connection mm-hmm. to the fatherland. Um, how has that grounded you and how do you see like like a contrast to other people? So a contrast from when I was younger to today or a contrast from where I'm at to to those others? And yeah, yeah, to you okay. compared to other people. Okay, that that's, that's a, I like that question. So, um, yeah, I was very, um, even though, my father taught us loyalty and all these wonderful loyalties. I was still a young idiot. And so, I, and, um, and I wasn't really loyal to anything for a while. But then I met your mom and um, I wanted to be, you know, after a while I became a Christian really. I was kind of half raised Catholic without making um, any sacraments other than baptism. Mm-hmm. So I missed out a whole lot of grace. Uh, throughout early part of my life, but I made my first communion in Turkey, uh, and so since all that has happened, all my friendships have have not all of them, but many many of my friendships, even in the military where all this happened, uh, became God centered without me even trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recognized this because I would go to church. I didn't know. Oh wow, that guy's Catholic. That guy that guy goes to church. This lady goes to church. I didn't even know anything about these people doing this. And this is in the military. Yeah. And so that really like was an encouragement to me that this was right. And then, um, uh, so then after we moved to California, we got out. Most, uh, we didn't know anybody other than mm-hmm. my family. All of our friendships there came through our church. Yeah. And these are solid friendships. Any one of us could call today, we haven't maybe talked for 10 years, and pick right back up. And now here living in Pennsylvania, um, I say 90% or more of my friendships have to do with our faith. They're, they're, they're centered there. And then I can communicate with these people on a number of things. We can talk about politics. It's fine, even if we're not necessarily always on the same side. Yeah. yeah. We can talk about um, basketball or football. We can talk about home life. Um, but we can all, and and it might even be contentious. It's okay. We all, it's okay. Because we always have that, that solid thing that is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and uh, so we don't have like friendships out of utility, sure. out of need for well, you do this and I do that. Uh, it's out of just it's really out of love, and uh, and not to make this some bigger thing than it is. I, I I don't I've thought about this a number of times through the years. Like this is so amazing. Our Lord led us here to this place, and your mom and I grabbed hands because we were really kind of in a messed up place at one time, mm-hmm. and um, both with each other to a degree, but really with where were we were going. And we held hands and uh, first time ever, got on our knees, prayed together, and our Lord sent us to Grove City, Pennsylvania. I worked for this employer. I worked my way up in the, in the employer, with my employer. Uh, it was a, it's been beautiful. I have relationships at work that are great that aren't even faith-centered because this one at home is, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's okay. And these amazing people that say, oh, you're more like family than just friends. Yeah. Many families. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, here, the Kengors, the Wizorgs, I'll just mention those two. Uh, and the Dudas, of course. Those three have all said that. And um, and at different t- parts of the year, we know we're welcome to come to their house for yeah, certain, just... certain parts of the, mm-hmm. uh, the holiday seasons or whatever it is. Because uh, they've made us feel at home and... Um, 
So I don't know if I actually so, answered your question. Well, I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> forgive tease, me. tease something out of there. Yeah. I think what you're saying is that the, the groundness in the faith. So to go back to this idea of fatherhood, like in faith we come to know God as Father and who we are in the Father's eyes. Mm. So that with that knowledge mm-hmm. and it uh, and being surrounded by other people who who understand that who have mm. that fatherhood of God, it creates a Community. familial environment. It right. creates uh, a place, a community, like you said, uh, where there's understanding and, the, and there's love. And that compared to maybe where you were before when you didn't have that mm. understanding of who you were in God the Father's eyes, maybe your relationships were a little bit more chaotic or yes. maybe they were more utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Um, and now because of where you know you are in the Father, like the things that immediately come into that sphere, I guess, is good. So, um, so to tease that out, that's where you are with God. Do you want to say something, Nate? Or? Oh, no, I was just going to agree with what you're saying because, like, the, you know, the great transcendental of unity Yeah. Um, seems to be really relevant to what we're talking about right now because, part like, the idea of a father and recognizing fatherhood, it's beautiful for one for one reason just because of it's, it's good to have that role model and that example of a father, be it spiritual or biological or, or what have you. But it's also, I think, really good because it brings about uh, unity with those who share the same father. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. introduces the transcendental of unity in a very natural way. For example, on, in the most basic sense, when you're in a household and you have a biological father, just that, that fatherhood unites you then with all your siblings yeah. who share the father. But then in what you're talking about, dad, um, after you came into the recognition of your spiritual father, God, that then united you with all your spiritual siblings who have the same father. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're the people in our, in our churches, the people that you recognized had the same fa- spiritual father in, like you said, in the military or even in our friends here where we live now. It's just, uh, it's not very different from what you're saying, but I just kind of wanted to draw yeah. that out that no, no, that's that's, good. That, bring, fatherhood brings in unity. And that's, I really, I really appreciate that, Nate, especially because, and then taking it to the third step of the fatherland, um, the, the unity that the kind of country gives to each of us, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm an American, you're an American. And as I know, some of the way like people are pushing this like forced unity is mm. kind of annoying sometimes, but, but that you and I are like sons of America, regardless yeah. of what you look like. Yeah. Um, because you know, you know, whether you're Asian, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're black, you're white, you all live here. You're all under the same fatherland, right? Right. That, that's kind of a unity. Yeah. Um, and so in kind of contrast, like, well, why can't, why can't a motherhood be like that? And I think the difference is, yes, mothers mothers unite in a completely different way. I think mm-hmm. mothers unite emotionally in a way that fathers can't. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I think a father needs to be there as the like the one who brings in the transcendental of unity into a family, into the home, or whatever, is because of his his nature of, of the provider. Yeah. Is that he the things that maybe like the smaller details or the more emotional details that the mother takes care of aren't going to affect him as much, so he can kind of stand his ground a little bit more solidly be be a more point of contact or like yeah. direction like right. hey yeah these things are going on we're still one together and we're still moving in that direction right mom's gonna take care of maybe some of the ways we get there mm-hmm. but we're i'm marching us forward yeah um and we talked about toxic masculinity and there's like this push against oh men can't you know they used to be they were emotionless and that's horrible men need to express their emotions yes healthily but they also need to every now and then be like look right now it's not a time to like be super emotional yeah. and we just like put it together and men in their minds 
can actually do that. Yeah. There's a part of the male's brain that actually does not process emotion, mm-hmm. whereas a female does not have that in her brain whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is kind of where like the need for the unity from the father comes in. Right. It's like, okay, here's the point that I can look to for stability. And not that a mom can't provide stability, but I think the father provides it in, in a different kind of better way in, in the nature of being a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so to that end, you said you had friends who maybe aren't in the faith mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. who have maybe more disjointed. How do you see some of that part being challenged, whether maybe you have friends who are divorced or from, from divorced families um, or who don't have that understanding of God the father or a good relationship with their own father? You're asking um, how does that... Uh bring about instability yeah disunity yeah. but yeah. I, both of you i mean you might have friends from college yeah. dad you want to answer first like um, sure. you have lots okay. of friends from work i'm sure yes are. uh a lot of instability so we talk a lot about fatherless families in you know in our country being the human father yeah but what happens is those fatherless families end up many of them becoming fatherless families from God the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, or they were already were godless, already yeah. fatherless families with our with our Father in heaven. And so it's easier for those to break apart. So uh, most of the friends I had from high school, tell you what, um, I didn't know divorced. I, I, none of my friends huh. had divorced wow. families. They're, they weren't from divorced families. It was very interesting. Uh, I, you know, I graduated high school in 1981. I'm sure there was plenty of kids at my high school. I went to a high school of about 3,000 kids. Uh, I'm sure many of them came from unf- that, that yeah. situation. But none of my friends actually did. Hmm. So I didn't really know it. But, but also, we were in the same place, whereas uh, only one of my friend's families went to church. Okay. You know what? I'm sorry I made a mistake. My one friend, his father had left the family. And so I'll, I'll mention that family. That, it it tore them up in a disaster disaster of a way. Uh, they were a Catholic family. Dad left the family. Uh, the mom did her very best. She worked hard. The kids all worked hard. Um, but the, uh, there's three boys and one girl. The oldest boy was my friend. His sister was my friend. And the other, two younger guys became my friend also. They're a really neat family. But the two younger guys that entire time knowing that their father left them, yeah. it messed them up. Mm-hmm. One of them killed himself oh, gosh. Oh, probably gosh. about 10 years ago now, 12, 15, maybe 15, about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and uh, he was a wonderful young man. So that it, they stopped going to church altogether. Everything became a disaster because the father, the, the father left the family and yep. he left them. Mm-hmm. He didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that, that's a hole in your heart that is only can only be repaired by our, our Lord, and so I don't know if, again if I'm answering your question, son. Well, no, no, that does um, right. Okay, showing like what happens because death by or separation by death is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless it was like I, I there's students who I've had to deal with whose dads killed themselves, so that's abandoning the family on a whole nother level. Yes. Um, but uh, like the father just ups and leaves that. I mean, I can't think of any child, especially any boy, just think like, well, well I guess I wasn't worth it. Like, I wasn't worth sticking exactly. around. And if, if you're not worth it to your own father, then you must not be worth it to God because God didn't work hard enough to get my dad to stay here. Mm. Um, so the God's abandoned me too. And then if you feel abandoned, I mean, kind of en- everything's on the table at that point, mm. right? Right? It's like yes. any lifestyle, any anything because 
there's no hope, right? Um, and I certainly in campus ministry in my time have dealt with a lot, I mean, a lot of kids who have divorced parents. Um, and I just know, well, like one student, I've walked with him for a really long time, like his relationship with his dad. But something he's told me a lot is like, um, I never really got the opportunity to actually be a son because uh, this kid is like, he has just such a natural servant heart. So he like immediately stepped in and started providing for his mom, his sisters and stuff. But he's like, I never knew what it was like. And then his grandfather was sexually abusive with his wow. sister. That's heartbreaking. So, oh my like, gosh. He, so then his other father figure just like out the window. So he hasn't had like a father to latch onto. Yeah. So his view just of fatherhood in general is like pretty like screwed up. And he admits that. He, he knows that it is. Um, and we're, we've been kind of working through it, but just, just seeing like, like a deeper sense. He, I mean, he's smart dude, strong dude, good looking young man, but just like some of his own security that he like, and deals with just because doesn't feel like his father or grandfather thought they were worth it. Yeah. And like that, that's what plagues, I think so much mm-hmm. of, you know, I was just reading an article that now, um, over, over 60% and I'm not trying to be like, you know, you know, picking it on any kind no. of demographic of people, but 60% of African-American boys now grow up without a father. Yeah. Um, 45% of white boys grow up without a father for at least a majority of their life. Um, Hispanics have a slightly higher, like, just because, like, kind of the way their family ties are, they're, like, slightly higher, but still not great. So if almost 50% of growing up without a dad, no wonder 50% of the young population of America is just going nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, um, roughly 50% of Gen Z now yep. identifies as having some mental uh, health issue, yep. be it depression or anxiety. So, I mean, it may not be exactly that 50% that you're talking about that are growing up with a de- without right. a dad, but I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of that uh, lines up exactly. And it's just, it, what's really hard about that and heartbreaking is, in many of these cases, the the kids, they may have some anger directly at their dad if they left them, often they do. But in many of these cases, I think the kids tend to blame themselves, thinking like, oh, my dad left because of something I did or because I just wasn't worth it or I wasn't worth loving. And so aside from just the very natural, immediate harm of them not having a role model or or a good provider, they also now have this internal guilt that they've just forced on themselves that Mm -hmm. doesn't need to be there at all, um, where they're, they're beating themselves up thinking for their whole lives that they did something that merited their dad or that caused their dad to leave. And that, I think, often for people is the most harmful kind of turmoil, is turmoil directed at themselves. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, will, that will manifest itself in depression, anxiety, but also often in violence and, you know, lashing out against other people. If you think that from your youth you've been a problem and that you don't deserve love, then you're not ever going to treat anybody else with love. Hmm. You can't give what you don't have. So if, you're, if your father is supposed to be someone that first, one of the first people to show you what it means to be loved. If he fails to do that and he just leaves you, then you're going to have that hole in your heart like you were talking about, Dad, and think, I'm unloved and I'm unlovable. And then you're never going to love anybody else in a, in a deep, full way. And so you won't, you won't be able to treat other people well. And it just it just leads into this whole um, agonizing lifestyle where you, you, can't, you can't function well as a human being yeah. if you don't have that initial um, role of a father in your life. How, how, yeah, I don't know how we can, how how somebody in that situation can understand God's love for them. I mean, it's only by grace that they do, and there are those that do. Mm-hmm. But how God's how God loves them 
we always say God still loved the world and gave his only son. Um, and we hear that often. How do they understand that? Hmm. How, how could they even begin to comprehend that when the one guy that should have should, in this life, the way we get to know God is because we are loved by somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how that guy left me. So well, I, I, it's, it's such a mess. Well, that's, so that's good. And the last, you know, just like the last thing to talk about then, like how, how do, how do we then mm. actively promote, I don't know, like a spirit of fatherhood uh, mm. or, or to be spiritual fathers um, or how do we, especially to young men or young women, I mean, young women, yes. struggle, like it's a strong struggle for them if they don't have a father Absolutely. in their life, um, that, you know, how, how can we, cause really then meeting God, the father is going to be the, the only place that they, they can feel that, that fatherhood. Um, and I was, I was watching this, this documentary a few years ago and this guy was talking about, like he said, it took me like tw- better of like 30 years to erase the face of my father off the face of God, the father to know that he doesn't act the same way that my dad did. Um, and because of his bad relations with his father, he had, you know, he cheated on his wife and like all of these things happened. Um, so how do we, how do we do something now? You're in a slightly better place dad, just because like (laughs) you actually are a dad, right. And you have like experience being one and, and you're, you're of a fatherly age, you know, it's like young men, our age, but, you know, Nate being 20, I'm only 26. It's, I still, like, a big brother, I guess, is the way I kind of, mm-hmm. like, treat people. But and there's a fatherhood still to do it. But um, how, how should we, how can we go about either promoting the need for fatherhood, defending it as, as not, like, it's not a weak thing or, or it's not a toxic thing to, yes. to be a traditional man and desire to provide for your family and be that place of unity yeah. Um, or how can we even provide, like you said, young as we are, yeah. some kind of fatherly role for people that we may encounter who just didn't have a father? Yeah. I, I, I mean, without, I guess without beating them over the head with some, with a Bible, of course, you're talking. <laughs> so, because that's not going to help them. I mean, I don't think. No. I, I think modeling, just doing our best uh, to model humility. Mm. And, and I'm not saying I do. I, I mess up plenty. I, uh, and uh, there are plenty of times uh, I've gone to confession because I knew what was right to do and I didn't do it. And I, so all I'm going to say, and you can butt in here in a second, all I was going to say is we don't have, we, um, fatherlessness is horrible, but you don't have to be a perfect father to be a good father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, because you can be less than what you think you should be as a father and still be a good father, right. but not fatherless. Yeah, that's 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 basically what I was going to say. I, Matt, I heard something on <laughs> Matt Frad, Pint with Aquinas, he just said recently, to desire to show someone the truth, even if you struggle to live that out, does not mm-hmm. make you a hypocrite. It makes you a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so that he's saying, like, if, if you know, like, so for this instance, you want to father people, but you know you're not the greatest father yourself. That's okay. Like you, yeah. you don't have to wait till you've figured it all out, perfected it out, and then That'll start never helping happen, people. Because exactly. it's not going to happen if you're if you're, you're genuine. So yeah. So just I I love that word. I think you have used this that word before. The authenticity, mm. uh, just being you know saying things to people. I realized in the last couple of years, I've been saying I love you to people that recently that uh, are 
that you guys don't even know people at work hmm. on purpose yeah. because I've just seen this is how I'm I guess this is how I'm doing it yeah. and I just thought of this I didn't think prepare for this but I've been purposely saying to somebody you know what I've been meaning to tell you this and not in some weird way this is people at work I love you I authentically love you you and I have a relationship here at work we don't have one outside of work but I'm I'm amazed by all that you do for this organization all that you do you know I see what you're doing for your own family, and uh, I admire that. And in a way, that's I can I can love you in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing weird, nothing goofy. Nobody goes and turns me in and says, "Hey, he's went," because they know I'm not doing that. Yeah, right. Yeah. They they recognize like he what this guy's saying is, he appreciates me, and he and um, you know to a to a greater degree. And I'm not I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. No, it's no, something it's, I just recently just, started. I'm not. Yeah, but just, I feel like we're talking I'm, about how to model. <laughs> we're we're asking. You got to give us examples, <laughs> that, please. But I'm so. But thank you. But I I really it's just very recently I started doing this because I thought you know what, what you said at the very beginning, there's a, and you said it a moment ago. Hopelessness is so huge right now. John Paul II, I think said that's like the greatest evil. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it, you can see what it looks like when it is the greatest evil. It's it's on the news every day. It's changed. The world has is changing. Our country has changed tremendously. So somebody has to know that somebody else loves them. Yeah. yeah. Somebody else cares about them. Somebody sees them as something of value. We have value. Their fingerprints shows that uh, that we know they're not the same. And, I, and any one of us, any finger is not the same as the other because that's God's signature on for us alone. And he, he recognizes, I love you, you, Dan. I love you, Samuel, Brother Francisco. I love you, Nathaniel, and everybody else listening. In a special way, so much, I'm putting my signature on your fingers, and it's only my signature on your fingers, and hmm. it's only your signature on your fingers. on your fingers. And he loves us so much, he wants us to remember that. And we have tremendous value to him, but how do we show that? We have to model it. That's how I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's... And humility, you said, uh, like... I, I realized more recently in uh, like forgiveness, like offering someone forgiveness yes. and also asking for forgiveness is such a difficult place of humility. But if we think about God the Father, just like alt, like just the ultimate display of mercy um, and forgiveness for us, that I want to show them even somewhat of the face of God the Father, then it has to be through forgiveness. So mm-hmm. um, I maybe I, I can't always model. Um, like like a level of fatherhood that you can because you're actually a dad. But especially as a priest in the mm. confessional, like that's how I want to extend fatherhood is, is in mercy and wow. in, con- in awesome. forgiveness. So I think that's like a, a really strong way we can do that too. Is just like we don't really want to forgive other people, um, especially when they authentically have hurt us and maybe justifiably they don't deserve it. Mm. Um, but we never deserve the forgiveness from God the Father either, and He still extends it over and over and over again. Um, that's yeah. probably the, oh go ahead I was going to say so yeah the, you're saying forgiveness itself which our world is lacking so much nowadays that itself is a fatherly role yeah so just setting the example of hmm. forgiving people and not holding grudges uh, and letting things go is kind of a way in which people can recognize oh I am loved even if yeah. maybe they don't have a great father in their life or they don't have a recognition of their spiritual father just having the witness and sharing the witness of forgiveness, humility, and what you're talking about, Dad, just kind of that self-giving love that lasts and is permanent regardless of how you feel. That's kind of something that I think can just lift people up, even if they were lacking 
uh, fatherhood in their upbringing. And the last thing I, I thought about was just invitation. Um, mm-hmm. So if you don't have a father, he never invited you to go play ball or never invited you to go to the daddy-daughter dance or anything like that. So you missed out on all these opportunities that maybe you saw your friends had with the father or maybe the way you feel God the Father hasn't really guided you very well. Um, like if we can show that, like, no, I, I see you and I, I want to invite you to this thing with me because um, I think it's just another way of, like, seeing people because um, God the Father or a father is supposed to see his children. Um, and if, if you extend a personal invitation, not like a sweeping general one, but a personal one to mm-hmm. someone, um, that I th- yeah, I just think invitation. Well, thank you for joining us today, Dad. Um, glad we could finally get you on the podcast now that a lot of our family's been on so far. Um, but yeah, this this was I think it was a good talk, just cracking open the idea of fatherhood. Yeah. With our own father. So if uh, you have had struggles yourself with you know the relationship with your earthly father or with God the Father, really open open yourself up to to know that you truly are loved by by a father. And if if that is really really hard for you, then uh, maybe ask Mary uh, <laughs> to help you understand how God the Father loves you. Um, and yeah, like if uh, if any of this kind of hits home for you or you're like, I had a great father, tell him that, remind him, because I think a lot of fathers don't think that they're doing a good job. And it'd be really good if we reminded them that they actually have been for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for those male listeners that we have, uh, model fatherhood um, in any way you can. And for our female listeners, challenge men to actually be fatherly, because um, if you aren't willing to be motherly, uh, then it doesn't really matter what a man wants to do because he you can't have a father without a mother. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. So thank you for listening to another episode of All Good in the Brotherhood. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, feel free to leave a comment below on what you liked. And please rate us on Spotify. The h- more rates we get, the higher uh, listeners we can get and reach more people. Uh, and, yeah, have a fantastic and lovely day. God bless you. All right, peace, y'all.